you're listening to a message from Kaleo Phoenix, a church plant in downtown Phoenix, Arizona, that creates space for people to practice the ways of Jesus together. I I think most people have, um, whatever it is, strong feelings when it comes to the Christmas season, the season that leads up to that. Some is full of excitement and hopeful anticipation, while others might uh, have some things from their past that causes uh, traumatic responses, things that were not so great, things that were, were not so hopeful. And so we just address the reality that we are seasonal people. Uh, the world is structured by seasons, and thankfully the church has seasons as well to guide us as we open scripture and practice the ways of Jesus together. We're going to read out of Luke 1, 26 through 38 to start off. And it reads, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at the words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. That's perfect, yes. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. The kingdom will never end. Mary responds this way. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Let's pray. Uh, God, thank you for the seasons, for the fact that we're gathering, uh, for the fact that Mary said yes. Um, I pray that it is your words that speak through that yes today, that we listen well and allow her faith to affect our faith 2,000 and 20 years later. God, may we look to the things you've done in Mary and in Jesus and be shaped by them. We pray this in your name. Amen. So I grew up Baptist. Um, There's some other Baptist folk in here. Yeah, we were led in song by one. Uh, That was different Baptist than my Baptist was, by the way. Yeah, I heard you make a Baptist comment earlier, like, I got to do it. And I'm like, that's not what we were like. We kept our hands in our pockets and we're scared to look at anybody. I like that side better. That's a lot better. But I, I grew up Baptist, so there was always this strong apprehension to talk about Mary, 
uh, because Mary was very Catholic. The Catholic Church sanctifies Mary and, and talks about Mary, and there's the fear of Mary worship. And it's like, no, we can't let Mary get in the way of God, of Jesus. So what happens, which happens too often, is she becomes now peripheral, on the side, out of view, because we don't want her, the mom, to get in the way of the son. And while you might look at that and say, yeah, no, we're not going to worship Mary. There's the other side of where we, we marginalize Mary and we just use her in storytelling and in the seasons to talk about Christmas and Advent as just like this vessel that was just randomly picked and then boom, we get Jesus, which Jesus is great. Jesus is good, but we do not want to lose sight of Mary. So let's talk about Mary a little bit. She was not Roman nobility. She did not come from the right line. She was actually in a podunk town in a backwater province that was ruled by Rome. Not even one of the main areas that Rome like desired, just one of the ones that was conquered. And they tolerated the Jewish religion a little bit. And Mary is a 14-year-old girl betrothed to be married to a man named Joseph. She woke up that morning and it was a normal day. She got up before the sun was up and she fetched water with her mother and her sisters and she spoke to her friends and they laughed around the well and they carried the heavy water back to the house for her to continue doing her chores. She wasn't giddy in excitement to be married. She wasn't. It was not something she necessarily was excited about. It just was what it was. She didn't know Joseph very well. He was much older than her. And it was something that she was just going to do because that was her duty. She was going day after day. But that morning, she had absolutely no idea that her life and our lives would be completely changed. Normal day. And an angel comes to her and speaks. I love looking at this story because we see Mary kind of talking back to the angel, to this whatever it looked like being that is speaking to her with all the power that makes people tremble. She's troubled by them and wonders what kind of greeting it is. And the angel says, hey, it's okay. It's okay. You are going to be blessed and you're going to conceive the son of God. And Mary says, great. How? I'm a virgin. And the angel says, don't worry, the spirit of God will do it. So in the beginning, God created something out of nothing. It was pure chaos and his spirit hovered and he spoke and there was. The, the earth rose from the sea. The animals began to swim and fly. Trees were sprouted, mountains grew. And God created humanity. And he looked upon his creation and he said, it is very good. In this goodness of creation, God delighted in what he had created and he sought communion and desire. He created out of the overflow of who we, he was relationally in the Trinity and created beings that would delight in that. But God is not a forceful God. He does not manipulate or coerce even. He gives the decision of his creation the right to refuse or to accept now, we, we've had this year, so we obviously know that there is sin in the world, that things are not as they should be. The choice was made and humanity chose to worship ourselves over God. But that didn't stop God 
from radically pursuing his creation because there was always a way. And this way has a name, and this name is being spoken to this 14-year-old woman who God looks upon and he sees. Throughout the story of Israel, there's triumphs of, of land conquered, of enslaved people being free, of kings rising, of empires rising, of temples being built, but over and over and over the people did what was wicked in the eyes of the Lord and it grieved him, but still God would not stop. God would not stop. And then one day an angel comes down and speaks to a 14 year old girl and says, will you bear the image of the son of God? And Mary says, Yes. Eric Barreto says it this way, in too many Protestant churches, which we're considered Protestant, Mary's faith is muted in the preaching and storytelling. She is a bystander in the story of Jesus. In Luke Acts, however, she is the narrative's first faithful voice. And her witness continues in Acts 1.14 when Luke names her as faithful still. Even after the cross, the resurrection, the ascension, in Luke's telling, her faith and courage is no surprise. They were evident in the moment she said yes. They were sealed the moment she first sang. Mary saying yes was scandalous for she had to go home and explain that she was with child. Hard to believe that you can be with child while being a virgin. But still, she had that story to tell. She thought about it. She didn't do it on a whim. She wasn't duped or she wasn't tricked. Instead, she went in it, eyes wide open. Why? Because she questioned the angel. He gave her the answer. She had a decision. She had the capacity to make that decision. And she said, yes. Mary is the prophet. She's the leader. She is the vehicle in which the gospel came and dwelt among us. Mary is not a marginalized figure. She is a centerpiece of our faith. And we can look to Mary and to be challenged. For through her, God restored the image of humanity. Through her, yes, God revived that which had fallen. And because of that, Mary's pregnancy ushered in the son of God on this earth to after the cross and the ascension, we've been given the choice as well. Will we say yes to the dwelling of God inside us? As Mary nurtured this fetus, this baby and cared, we as the church, as the bride of Christ are to do the same thing. We nurture Christ in us. We are birthing this kingdom that God has called us to participate in as vessels of his good news. Just as Mary said yes, so too do we say yes. In this painting over here, it's a local artist. He's actually a, a tattoo artist that Chris and I both frequent. And his name is Wyatt. He's just down the street a little bit. And while getting a tattoo, you talk. 
and we were talking and it came out that he likes to paint religious symbols. And I said, well, we happen to like having religious things painted. And he said, I will do it. And I said, that sounds cool. And so he started working on this art piece. It's kind of hard in the, the dark, but the candles are illuminating a little bit with the light. And as you focus on this, uh, Wyatt said to me that every time somebody wants a, a Mary figure or the paintings that he has seen, there's this very stoic and serious looking face, very stern. And he wanted to paint Mary and Jesus in a way that showed delight. He wanted to show her enjoying her baby. Now, the scandal of this whole thing is that she is a virgin. She has a baby. They're, they're, it's out of wedlock. It's a small town. They have to go to Bethlehem and then go to Egypt and then come back. But to see this image and the glow that she still has is incredibly subversive to the reality of the situation. She says yes wide open, knowing that she will be scrutinized. She could be killed and still we have joy. And still there is joy found in this baby and a mother's love. I want us to reflect on this painting for a moment. And if you don't have a good view, maybe after the service, you can go look at it um, and, and pray over it. But I want us just to fixate on this joy for a moment. Because as she receives it, it has no other place but to exude out of her. It is something that completely tears down what is seen in the world and this marginalized woman in a backwater province who is overlooked by the world and the history books is seen by God. And being seen by God, she's given a scandalous task to say yes or no to, and she says yes, and here we are invited in to the birthing of Christ. Spend a moment just reflect on this painting. I'm going to pray over us. Then Aaron's going to come up and read something that she has written. God, through Mary's faith, through her faithful yes, we get to see what you look like. God, and we're thankful for the invitation into your story of grace as well. God, whereas we may not feel seen, we might be overlooked, your eyes are upon us. God, when we say yes, God, impregnate us with your love so that we can birth your goodness into this world. God, may we nurture it, find joy in it. God, and even feel the pain it may temporarily bring in our lives. God, you're birthing something in us, and it's the kingdom that you desire on earth. God, may we be children who are faithful enough to say yes. Amen. The Magnificat, Mary's song of praise. 
This is Luke 1, 46 through 55. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. That was Mary's song of praise. And after the year that we've had, I wrote a reflection and it goes like this. Have I reason to praise you, Lord? Brianna Taylor's black female body didn't get justice this year. Have I reason to praise you, Lord? My uncle passed away from what we thought was COVID, but after his autopsy, it was because of bed sores, because his black body also was neglected in the hospital. Have I reason to praise you, Lord? Many moments this year, my mind lived on edge through the extreme amount of isolation. Not being able to commune with people I love and so many traumatic images of racial tension growing in this country. Have I reason to praise you, Lord? So many people have died from COVID and I'm not sure what to believe. I've spent many moments contemplating And though this year has been dry like the very desert we live in, though the challenges have felt unbearable like the hottest summer our city has ever experienced, you still found a way to make a river in the dry place. You still found a way to see me. You still found a way to remember the forgotten ones. You still care for justice when it's no longer trending. You still see the broken when the lights and the cameras are off. You, God, still care for the widow and the orphan and the poor. You still restore dignity when it is stripped away. You still give life and bring life into the earth. You still look after and care for your people. So I will praise you because you have heard my prayer. You see and you know and you care for and you, God, love. And I will praise you, Lord, because you are God. And yes, 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 I have reason to praise you. let's Let's sit in that moment. Let me just invite God to, to nudge you. Is there something in the midst of Chase's words, in the midst of Mary's words, in the midst of Aaron's words that, that God would want to speak to you, over you, through you? 
Love you, Lord. Amen. So as Mary sings and as Aaron sings, we find the, the vision for God's ongoing great reversal. In the, in the words of Mary's song, her Magnificat, as it's known, we encounter the praise of, of one who sees God coming and who sees God acting, which is so fitting for the final Sunday of Advent. There is Advent, which is the coming, the arrival, and there is action, the thing that God is doing, that God has done and that God will continue to do. And in light of all of what Chase set before us in the life of Mary, Mary then comes to this point in which her soul magnifies the Lord and her spirit rejoices in God, her savior. And that's how she sings a song. And on a Sunday like this one, the final Sunday again of Advent, four days away from Christmas Eve, five days from Christmas morning, you're probably like me and you're tempted to rush ahead to that moment, to the birth, to the celebration. But Mary's proclamation reminds us about this in-between, that God is still being birthed, that new life, that new creation is still on the way. And she deems that worthy of a song of praise. And so this great reversal, if you will, has always been God's intention from the beginning. And God's mercy in Mary's song is described in view of God's original context in which God says, I will be your God and you will be my people. That's still a thing that God echoes before us today. And yet again, Advent reminds us we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. Right? God's purpose will always be to turn the, the status quo upside down. And yet again, we wait for the turning and the reversing to keep unfolding in the here and now. And I don't think I could have said it any better about what we feel in 2020 as this year comes to an end than the, the way that Aaron said it, right? And so with the, the power of God's desired relationality with his people, this is something that he's always longed for. The invitation on the final Sunday of Advent is to join God in the great reversal, to seek with him the kingdom of love and equity and reconciliation. And this is why Mary sings, because she believes that God is gonna do it. And ironically, it's an ironic little twist in the way that she sings it. She sings, in fact, as if the wrongs of history have already been made right. That it's done, that God did it. And I'll get back to that in a second because there's a couple other things that Mary's song is doing for us. Her song is inviting us to change the way we view women and to change the way we view God. Right, so it's important to note that Mary's song of praise is actually based on the song of Hannah in 1 Samuel 2. And also, Mary shows up proclaiming and announcing in a lineage of poetry spoken from the mouths of women. We have Miriam in Exodus 15 
singing and announcing. We have Deborah in Judges 5 singing and announcing. We have Hannah and Samuel, 1 Samuel 2 singing and announcing. And now here's Mary. All songs announcing God's great reversal and our invitation to participate in it. Mary lifts her voice in this moment. And as we've been saying from the beginning of tonight, we must listen. We must listen to these women among us. Because when you start tracking the theme of the great reversal and what it might mean for how we view women, we even get this guy Tertullian, second century theologian. And he makes this remark. He says, as Eve had believed the serpent, so Mary believed the angel. He's naming again this great reversal that God is doing in Mary, which he's also ultimately going to do through Jesus. And then there's this image of pregnancy, of which I am an expert. Not really. Right, Mary, Mary invites us to consider the power of giving birth, of carrying a body within you. It's interesting, even as I say that out loud, not knowing anything about being pregnant, we have a fairly new child on this side and a pregnant woman on this side. And so perhaps we'll listen to these women later, right? Because Mary invites us to consider what that means, that we are all pregnant, even as Chase said, with the possibility of new life. She's just modeling it in the physical. She says, it looks just like this. You actually are invited to become more than you are. You know why? For God is with us and God is in us. What a picture in Mary. God is with her and God is in her and she sings because this new life is the gift that the world's been waiting for. Will we join Mary in her singing? Will we hear, oh, come let us adore him in a new light this season? And so as we trace the trajectory of Mary changing the way we view women, her story invites us to see God afresh as well. And among these great reversals that I'm talking about, and I mean like capital G, capital R, great reversals present in her song, the first, it's a biography, right? Mary's personal reversal. She becomes a God-bearer. Theotokos is the word. And I had to Google how to say it because I only ever read it. And then Chase corrected me one more time and I got it right. She's the God-bearer. Isn't that interesting? The God-bearer, Mary, lowly, a peasant girl, unmarried, living in an economically poor and militarily occupied country, yet she is the one, the only one chosen to bear God in her womb. Will we see God in the womb of a woman like this, this same woman who sings this song of these reversals? And will we let it impact us? Because the second reversal that comes in her song is this. It's about God, is that God has acted with a strong arm to scatter the prideful. Mary is singing that. Mary. 
And if you'd have known Mary, or if you'd have seen Mary, and she starts singing this song, you'd have been like, nah, not that Mary. Would she just goes first in what's going to happen to Jesus anyway? Nah, not that Jesus. Right? God has acted with a strong arm to scatter the prideful. Pride has conventionally been the, the core sin that breaks apart our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. We like to name it a lot of other things, but it doesn't come as a surprise to us that God would want to scatter such a sin as that and raise up the humble in their place. May we join the humble. Third, God has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up those who are without status and rights reversing it just as the way he always said it would be. But here it is, Mary announcing it in her song. You can begin to feel the reversal unfolding as she sings. And I even, I even invite us to try to envision her singing it, hearing that reversal happening. Because then next she sings this, that God has filled the hungry and has sent the rich away with nothing, empty, the reversals that Mary is announcing on behalf of God are dramatic. They're final. They're to the point. They're purposeful. There's no question when she sings about what she believes that God has done. And then the last one, it's about God's people. In this case, she's singing about Israel, but the whole of the song is inclusive because God has always been saying, I will be your God and you will be my people. And it just gets bigger and bigger and more inclusive for all of us to be invited into that family. And she says, at this point in time, God's people are now the recipients of God's mercy, a final picture of the remembered covenant he's made with them. And so in summary, here's a recap. I just like, I want you to hear the words. These are strong verbs that Mary uses to describe what God is doing, or in fact, in her case, as she sings this, has done in the great reversal. God has shown strength. God has scattered the proud. God has lifted up the lowly. God has filled the hungry. God has sent the rich away empty. And God has helped Israel, God's people. Mary's new song is this announcement of the reality of the both and in God's kingdom. She embodies the polarity between being a virgin and a mother, which honestly, it's so hard to wrap our minds around the mystery of that. And so what she shows us is that we can be people of both the heart and of the head, both mystical and resistant, both contemplative and justice oriented, both spiritually alive and socially active. And there we go, okay, well, we join Mary in the singing of what God has done and is going to do. Because the ethics of the kingdom of God that she's helping God announce before Jesus has even stood on the earth and said, here's the kingdom I'm announcing, is one in which we reorder our actions and our values. She says, this is what God's gonna come and do. He's gonna raise up and bless the poor, the weak, and the hungry people among us. And he's gonna denounce and tra transform those who perpetuate such hurt and disadvantage. And this is the very work that carries on 
for eternity. God will continue to do just this. And that's what I love about Mary's song is it's an invitation to join in what God is going to do. Andrew Purvis has this beautiful quote to summarize this whole thing. He says, Mary's song is a prophylactic against inappropriately spiritualizing the gospel, which is a really complicated quote, right? A prophylactic is to prevent a disease. And so he says, Mary's song prevents us from just spiritualizing this song as some cool thing that Mary did, as opposed to the invitation it is to join her in what God is actually going to come and do. And this is why Mary can proclaim with Jesus in her womb. He's not even walking around yet. This 14-year-old woman can stand before us and sing this song and proclaim in song and prayer that Jesus is on the way in the flesh and he's gonna reverse the plight of her and anyone like her. And we wait intention on the final Sunday of Advent because it's not quite there yet. So close though, for Jesus is on the way. Would you pray with me along with Mary? Jesus, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his, with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants forever. God, we thank you for the gift of Mary's life and her willingness to bear your son, Jesus, and birth him onto this earth. And God, I pray too that we would not rush ahead in this story of Mary's life, but that we would pause at our ongoing faithfulness for you met her as a 14-year-old and said, look at this gift I have for you. Join me in this. And she gives birth to your son, Jesus. And then she waits. She waits and waits and waits. And she's like, God, you said that this son of mine was going to come and save us. When is that going to happen? And she waits and she waits. And her son, Jesus, waits himself 30 years and walks this earth and shows us what it means to be fully human in step with the spirit of God. And all along the way, Mary is confused and even resisted by Jesus. 
But then there's this moment after Jesus has been arrested and beaten, after he's carried his cross to the top of Calvary and he's nailed upon it and they raise it up and he hangs there to die and who was at the base of the cross of Jesus? But his mother Mary. Ever faithful, wrecked indeed. Believing all the same that God's got to be up to some sort of reversal. Reverse this death she has to be praying as she kneels at the cross of her son, the Son of God, Jesus Himself. And what is the great reversal if it's not the resurrection of her son, Jesus, of God's son, Jesus? Imagine being Mary and entering into one of those locked rooms where Jesus is present. Even as Chase said in, in Acts 1, Luke tells us that Mary was among those praying in the closed room. She saw her son resurrected. And then she saw him ascend. And then she was present among those who received the indwelling of the Spirit. We receive that too, God. May we follow Jesus, yes, but may we also be strengthened by the faith of this woman, Mary. God, would you grant us faith like that? Would we continue to show up in the places of your great reversing? Would we join you? Would we depend on you and would we trust you? Because God, just like Mary, we need you. And we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. For more resources or information about Kaleo, please visit our website at kaleophx.com or follow us on social media. If this episode has been helpful to you, let us know or share it with someone you know.